So welcome to the Soul Cafe Podcast, Season 2, Episode 14. The Soul Cafe, where the table is huge. All are welcome, and we mean all. Well, that all-female Americana band, Della May, catch them live when you get a chance. They remind us that we might just need... A rude awakening. So let's get awake. kind of spirituality sometimes and today we're going to be talking with someone that will help us wake up a little bit uh, with nature and other ways and that is Dr. Loretta Coleman Brown. Ah, wow. Dr. Coleman Brown with her latest book and this book is fantastic. You got to go out and get it. Wait till the end of the podcast but go out and get the book uh, at your local bookstore or get it through Amazon or wherever, but anyway, what makes you come alive? A spiritual walk with Howard Thurman, and as I said, by Dr. Loretta Coleman Brown, and yes, Dr. Brown is, of course, with us today, and let me just tell you a little bit about the book, uh, because she may not tell you this, but Howard Thurman's known as the godfather of the civil rights movement. He served as a spiritual advisor to Martin Luther King Jr. and other leaders and activists in the 1960s. Uh, Thurman championed silence, contemplation, common unity, and nonviolence as powerful dimensions of social change. But Dr. Loretta Coleman Brown didn't learn about him during her years of spiritual direction training, only when a friend heard of her longing to encounter the work of black contemplatives did she finally learn about Thurman, his mystical spirituality, and his liberating ethic. 
And I'm sure we'll learn more about as we walk with Howard Thurman today and on a spiritual journey and with Loretta Coleman Brown. Thanks for being with us, Loretta, this day. Thank you so much. I'm just delighted to be a part of your bot podcast. Yes, yes. So uh, I always I always try to start out with the hardest questions uh, uh, because uh, you know to to uh, challenge the the person that I'm interviewing uh, in a way maybe that uh, writing a book wouldn't challenge you. But uh, anyway, uh, it's. Um, uh, and, and by the way, uh, I, I didn't say that uh, uh, Dr. Brown has also been a professor of psychology and she has a Ph.D. from Harvard and all that good stuff. And uh, but it, it's uh, uh, but I think this this book is, is just what's important right now. But anyway, uh, so I'm going to start with a tough question like, uh, how do you have fun, Dr. Brown? Well, I love to uh, <clears throat> go outside. I'm a I'm a nature person. All right. And uh, so to be outside, you know, in a in a rural area or in some place where I can catch a, a glimmer of the stillness, mm -hmm. that's just my ideal day. All right. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, and I don't think I, I think people often miss it because we're so busy going from one place to the next. Yeah. But that early morning quiet, and it's not even quiet. This Thurman distinguishes between uh, quiet and stillness. Uh, he says, you know, in 40, uh, Psalm 46.10, God doesn't say, be quiet and know that I am God. He says, <laughs> be still. Right. So uh, I can uh, catch it. You know, whether it be a walk or gardening or just watching the birds. Uh, the, uh, we have some hawks in the neighborhood gliding through the sky. Mm. That's that's probably one of my my favorite things to do. So that's how I have fun. Yeah. And do, you, do I mean, do you think that just the fact that you're really drawn to nature and uh, and you, um, do you think that's part of what connected you with uh, Howard Thurman? I mean, absolutely, yeah. yes. Because I was a a child who liked to sit out in the wind, as you know, in the backyard, and right. people thought I was weird. <laughs> they were like, "What is she doing out there?" And right. I wasn't doing anything. I was just catching the stillness and the breeze. And right. You thought that it's was normal, so right? I mean, you, you thought it was an everyday kind of occurrence. You, yeah, it was yeah. calm and right. felt good. And uh, so to encounter Thurman, who spent a lot of time outside, and people thought he was a little weird. So I was like, oh, I'm not the only one. So, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. I think that kind of <clears throat> just channels right into uh, – a, a very related question, uh, because for me, uh, how you have fun is also nine times out of 10 maybe is, uh, also kind of indicates where you find some passion in life too. But, uh, yes. so, so what, what gives you passion other than what you've already said? Well, <clears throat> I, you know, from an early, maybe adolescence, I started sewing, and I, I love to create mm. 
uh, garments, you know, for myself and for other people. But I can just, you know, spend a day walking through a fabric store and looking at fabric and all the different designs and colors. Uh, so, uh, and, uh, you know, on occasion I will make a, I make these comfort blankets for, you know, something for people that may be sick or for right. new babies, um, for uh, people who are retiring. And I just love, you know, picking out the fabric and then finding some yarn to, to kind of crochet around the edge. Uh, and so that, that creative, you know, any kind of creative activity, right. uh, just gives you some energy. And so I just love uh, that. I, I've always loved to read. Um, I've, you know, been reading since a child, just as one of my, uh, cousins who came to town recently, she said, I remember you. I used to babysit her. She's a much older woman now, but she said, I remember you with that book and that green apple. And I'm like, yes, that would be me. <laughs> do a little cooking. I, I call myself a culinary chemist. Right. So I do a little little experimentation in the kitchen. Okay. I love trying out new recipes. I like and that the, culinary chemist. Wow, that's a, that's I'm going to have to add that to my titles, Jay. I, I yes. Yeah. You know, I spent a weekend once just – trying out shortbread cookies and uh, I was trying to find like, you know, what might taste really good with uh, a, a nice pot of tea. So uh, I'm into tea. My husband's in the tea and we just love, you know, importing tea or going to tea or uh, having tea in the morning. And so, yeah, I spent the weekend and I, and I found that the best recipe was a lemon lavender shortbread cookie. I wish we'd have had some of those this weekend because we, uh, our eight-year-old granddaughter, um, she wanted a tea party at grandma and grandpa's house, you know, and and we're grandma and grandpa. So they came from Durham, North Carolina, over to Graham, North Carolina, where we live now. And uh, we had a tea party. Jeez, it was, (gasps) we'd have had the shortbread cookies. We'd have been right. That's right. I think we had uh, some of my mother's pound cake. Open face sandwiches and, you know, on occasion, I'll make some scones and wow. it's, it's, it, you know, that's a contemplative experience. That's right. That's I've right. I haven't had a tea party as a contemplative experience because time just stops. Right. And you're just present hmm. to the tea and the, and all the little, you know, des, you know, desserts or whatever you're having at that tea. It's, hmm. it's lovely. So let's get into the book a little bit. Um, the um, from uh, tea time to book time now, but uh, the from the book um, it's, it says uh, once when I was seeking the advice of Howard Thurman and talking to him at some length about what needed to be done in the world, he interrupted me. Writes Gil Bailey in the acknowledgement of his book Violence Unveiled. Thurman replied, "Don't ask what the world needs." Ask what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. Uh, that so reminded me, um, uh, you know, because I feel like I've spent pretty much my entire uh, vocation uh, trying to figure out what, number one, uh, how to come alive, and number two, 
um, you know, what the world really needed. Um, but, uh, but so it kind of reminds me, though, of a story of a young John Cavanaugh who crossed the sea uh, to visit Mother Teresa. And this is an actual story. But he, he was looking for clarity in life. Uh, and he figured there was no one in the world that had any more clarity than Mother Teresa. So upon arrival with Mother Teresa, young Cavanaugh begins to ask these questions, and he asks uh, this question of Mother Teresa, and, and she interrupts him saying, the one thing that I have never had in life is clarity. What I learned to have is trust. I love that. So, Dr. Brown, can you please flesh out for us what seems as a fan foundational thinking of Howard Thurman and of yourself? What makes you come alive and go do that? Well, when you look around at the evidence of aliveness, because basically everything, whether it's in nature or, you know, people, it's a certain kind of spirit and something that makes it come alive that, you know, that all yeah. of a sudden it's alive, it's animated. Mm. You know, think about little birds coming out of the eggs, et cetera. Right. So, so there's, but um, probably the, I think the best uh, way to think about coming alive is to see the movement of winter to spring, mm. right? Everything looks kind of dead. Like it's not even, going to come back. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see this leaves coming out and uh, flowers blossoming. I mean, it's just, it's just an extraordinary. And, and I know uh, having lived in places where there are seasons uh, to see that transformation uh, is just, it's just so transformative. So Thurman felt like, each of us is here for a reason mm. and that we have a purpose and perhaps a sacred call, something in us that is beckoning us to move towards uh, making a contribution to restoring God's beloved creation. Because mm. I think he felt like we started as, as sort of in some kind of oneness or wholeness and we're working ourselves Towards that, right. But we often, uh, as we go along, <clears throat> get caught up in the world or in other people's expectations about who we should be or what we should do. And what he wanted us to do was to, as he says in other places, listen to the genuine in yourself, mm. or follow the grain of your own wood. And likewise, do what makes you come alive. Now, I have, as a professor, seen students who come to me for mentoring or, you know, advice right. about what they might want to do with their lives. All of a sudden, when they come upon that thing that they have great passion about, they light up like a Christmas tree. You can actually see them come alive in your presence. So what he wanted was for people to not look for a vocation or a situation that was going to pay them more money right. or get them 
um, a larger house or a bigger car, <clears throat> but to do that thing that was going to give them a sense of vitality, um, a sense of purpose, a sense of, I want to get out of bed and do this today. Right. So when you think about coming alive, it's, it's you know, it, it, it presents itself, you know, for us as we watch this transformation in nature, but we also can be transformed in that way so that we are getting up and smiling because we are about to do something that is making us come alive, knowing that we are following um, our purpose and our call. So uh, the one thing that I did not say uh, about Dr. Brown is that uh, uh, she also is a um, holds a certificate uh, in spiritual formation from Shalem Institute uh, for spiritual formation, and that uh, you you hear that beginning to come out. Uh, and uh, and and some of her readings, and I'm I'm gonna really try to to uh, go into that inner part now for this with this next question because basically it's it's uh, it's the uh, interviewer uh, asking for guidance from the interviewee. <laughs> so anyway, uh, not really, not really because I'm t I'm too old, you know now, but. Um, the reason this oh, question, this question, I'm going to interrupt you and say no. I think as long as the person is breathing, right, right, uh, yes, right. I, as uh, what Monty Python uh, says, I'm not dead yet. But uh, yes, anyway. So <clears throat> uh, this book, though, and I'm really, uh, and I shared with uh, Lorita before we started the conversation, but. Uh, I've really, really gotten into this book, and it's come for, at, a, at a great time in my own journey too. But uh, um, so I've had these, I've had this, uh, these Howard Thurman, uh, Doctor Brown kind of experiences spattered throughout uh, the last forty years of my own vocation. Uh, but um, it, I'm kind of at a point, as Parker Palmer alludes to uh, in, in a book that's uh, entitled. Uh, the brink of everything. So I kind of feel like I'm at, you know, I'm up on that mountain and I'm looking out uh, and uh, thinking about where I've been vocationally for the last 40 plus years. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about 40 years in the wilderness, you know, kind of like a Lenten yes. journey or something, but, um, and, 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 and you pause and then you read these words uh, from Dr. Rita Brown that says uh, in the book, uh, here we are. I think she's talking about me, but anyway, here we are more than 40 years after Thurman's death, still locked in our private cells of political, social, and religious tribalism and narcissism. Clearly, the infrastructure of our current spirituality is in dire need lest it implode. And you can go on and on. And um, now I've joined in the asking so how might we envision a spirituality that forms bridges instead of builds barriers, bridges that we can walk across into community, the common unity that Thurman believed we all share? So help me out on this one a little bit, uh, Dr. Brown. Uh, you know, this whole idea, I, I love the idea of, uh, you know, um, uh, the the old, old Broadway show, uh, 
uh, now I've gone totally blank. But, uh, uh, you know, that had the, uh, it was a parable, of course. Uh, the, um, uh, and, and then they, they sang about this beautiful city that, uh, that Jesus was describing to people uh, and that we should strive after. Um, and, and that's, uh, I heard some of that uh, in, in what you were writing there about, about Thurman. Uh, so talk more about that. I think there's sort of two parts. First is that I think we rarely reflect on our spirituality. Like, what is your spirituality? Right. And how does that manifest in your life? I mean, and so what does it mean for you to have a spiritual life? So often when people come to me uh, for spiritual direction or companioning, and we are meeting for the first time, one of the, the first questions I ask them is, <clears throat> tell me something about your spiritual life. And typically people will say, oh, you mean the last time I went to church? <laughs> so I'll say, is that what your spiritual life is? I mean, I just want to know more about your spiritual life. Right. So people rarely think about, well, so what is my spiritual life? And how am I feeding my spirit? You know, I'm feeding my body. I'm exercising. I've got clothes, you know, all these other things. But so what about your spirit? Right. Then I will also ask them about their prayer life. So tell me about your prayer life. And typically people will say, well, you know, I just, I don't really have, I don't have time. Right. <laughs> and, and I always tell them about the story of the person who went to the monk and said, you know, how long should I meditate? And the monk said, everybody should meditate at least 20 minutes a day, an hour if you're busy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the idea is, are you just giving God a little bit of your time on uh, Sunday? Right. Or is, do you ever have any quiet time with God? You know, so we, we have this uh, <clears throat> prayer. And, uh, you know, prayer is more a dialogue than a monologue. So, so when, when are you quietly listening to God? And I think that this idea of envisioning a different kind of spirituality, one that builds bridges instead of builds barriers, begins with each and every person. If we don't have, if we are not individually working on our own spiritual lives, we're just living from the world. We're living from the world as opposed to living from the spirit of God. So, and as long as people are living from the world, there's always going to be sort of chaos and crazy and suffering and all those things. Right. But the shift is in giving your spiritual life um, a little priority. Maybe it needs to come up on the list mm. of things that you, in you know, spend time working on. And not even working, but just being present to. Right. I think. I think it's really important for people to ask themselves, well, so what is my prayer life? And am I engaged in it every day or just on occasion when somebody's sick or I'm worried about something? Right. And uh, how often am I feeding my spirit? You know, what is my spirit asking me to do? Does it want to go for a walk? Does it, you know, want to eat a healthier diet? I mean, I think we need to pay attention to 
where spirit is calling us. And to as we do that, as we then become individually transformed, and Thurman would say, instead of uh, talking about mystical experiences, he called them creative encounters or religious experiences. Yeah. And so he would say, every time you have one of those experiences with God, where you have a, a sense of presence, sense of the presence of God, it should change you from the inside out. And actually in his book, The Creative Encounter, which he published in the late 50s, he felt like it should change your nervous system. I mean, he was basically talking about neurotheology before we had those terms. But he felt like the more that you engaged uh, in a practice, in a discipline of um, being present to God and being quiet with God, that over time, this transforms you. And you begin to think not only just of yourself and your family and just you, but you start to have a a more expansive attitude about life and about all the people that you are in, you know, a part of. Right. So this life is not about you. Your spirituality is not just for you. It's for all of us. And I think that that, um, what's happened in the past is that we've been either not involved in in any kind of spiritual activities or talk about it in many churches. Um, But so it can be, so it's often it's ignored completely. Yet at the same time, your spirit is just yearning. It's starving. For some attention. Right. So if, if in fact, each one of us is willing to make the time to begin to engage in activities, whatever, whichever ones you feel called to do that are going to expand your spiritual life, your, your uh, sense of the presence of God more frequently, then that's, I think, how we start to see a chiseling away of personal ego. You know, it's about me and my, my stuff and, and, and a more expansive view of, of the world. I mean, we all grow up with this idea that we need to achieve, you know, our own personal achievements. But for me, it took an enormous amount of suffering, physical, personal suffering. I think I was a little hard headed um, to finally surrender uh, to the spirit who was calling me, you know, to say, look, this, you're not here to be, you know, the next Freud, you're here on a spiritual journey and I need your help in, in using your gifts to share that with other people so that it will spark a sense of presence. It will spark a sense of spirituality in them. And that's how we begin to have a reconstituted spirituality. Thanks for that. Um, so we, we're we um, running a little low on time, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, make another plug, uh, but I'm also going to plug uh, uh, Dr. Loretta Coleman-Brown's first book, uh, when, the, when the Heart Speaks, Listen, Discovering Inner Wisdom. Uh, 
And that book is worth the purchase uh, just to listen in on uh, before she had her heart transplant, uh, to listen in with the conversation that she has with her old heart. Um, and it's a literal conversation. It's, uh, uh, and uh, you'll laugh, you'll cry. You'll, uh, uh, she takes you on that journey uh, with her, and, uh, and, and, and hopefully we, we gain insights about our own uh, inward being and heart and uh, soul. Um, so, but today, folks, today, uh, what makes you come alive? A Spiritual Walk with Howard Thurman by author Loretta Coleman Brown. You need to go out and get that book, uh, and uh, hopefully what we've talked about today has just whet your appetite for that book, uh, and uh, so you can go out and uh, get the book and become a culinary chemist also. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, anyway, so... Thanks for taking the time, uh, Dr. Brown, for joining me today. Uh, the Soul Cafe is, of course, where life is served up freshly brewed. And uh, I appreciate you coming and helping expanding the table even more today. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you for your invitation to be with you. And I hope that people will not necessarily buy my book, Be Rudely Awakened, but maybe gent more gently awakened. <laughs> yeah, the, the rude did. part was a little rude today. But anyway, it, it's uh, <laughs> it's we we stick with we stick with the theme, knowing that most of the time uh, we all need to be awakened in some form or fashion. Uh, so, yeah. So thanks thanks a lot. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you. Oh, jeez. Um, so. Thank all of you for joining us today, and uh, today we leave you uh, reminding us all to join with Howard Thurman and Dr. Brown in experiencing the spirit in the wind, the trees, nature all around, and we go off the air today with a song of some dear friends of mine, Alethea, and they, of course, give permission to use this song today that reminds us that the light and truth and so much are outside. And sometimes it starts with the morning birds. So join in and thanks for being with us today on the Soul Cafe podcast, the Soul Cafe, where life is served up freshly brewed. And, of course, that was not Morning Birds there, but uh, we'll listen to Morning Birds now, I think uh, we will. Uh, Morning Birds, where are you? There we go. Come on, Morning Birds, sing along.
and thanks for joining us.